You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. James chapter 1, James tells us, unfortunately, <laughs> it's the only way to mature. Suffering, trials. James told us, count it all joy. Consider it pure joy. Don't jump up and down for joy, but consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith, the trials, develops perseverance. You hang in there, perseverance does its work, and you become mature. It's the path to maturity. There are many verses in the Bible that we read over and over because they're heartwarming, uplifting, and evoke in us a sense of calm. Today, Pastor Danny teaches verses and content that are definitely not the top of one's list of favorites. We learn that suffering for Christ's sake is the only way to spiritual maturity. We should count it as pure joy. What? If that seems like a difficult task, well, you're not alone. But leaning into Jesus during trials draws you nearer to Him and shines a light on where your hope lies. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 as he begins his message, Suffering and Stupidity. First Peter chapter 4, we go down to verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, the name of Christ. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? He's saying if God will discipline his children who have put their faith in his son, Jesus Christ, well, he's going to condemn those who reject that as well. One is a discipline out of love for correction. The other is a judgment for all eternity. Verse 18, and if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. 
Now, I don't know if you write in your Bible, I'm still teaching from the old 1984 New International Version. They don't print them anymore. I write in my Bibles. I've got several Bibles. I wrote this time through in preparing for this message. I put, for example, under dear friends, I put number one, don't be ashamed at the painful trial you're suffering. I added a verse we looked at last week, Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. For it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. That's one of those warm, fuzzy verses. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for giving us the gift of suffering. I put number two, rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. I put rejoice, and then underneath Acts 5.41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They suffered in the will of God. They suffered because of their faith, because of their commitment to Jesus. I put number three, be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I put Romans chapter 8, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. One day, You'll be very glad that you paid the price, that you stuck with it in your commitment. But I'm not done. Look at there, number four. You are blessed. You don't feel blessed, but you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. I put under that one 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. When he suffered, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Talking about Jesus. And then I put number five. When we read there, verse 19, commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Continue to do good. What does that look like? A lot of examples, but I thought of Joseph in the Old Testament. Young man, 17 years old, hated by his brother, sold into slavery into Egypt. But it was God's will for his life. And the suffering that he went through was God's will for his life. Sexual temptation there in Egypt as a young man, he resisted. Had he not resisted, the story might not have been exactly the same. He resisted, and here's what he got for doing God's will and resisting the sexual temptation. He got thrown in jail. Seemingly forgotten in jail for years. But he became the best prisoner that jail had ever seen. He continued to do good. He continued to be faithful. And ultimately, God's will fulfilled in his life through the suffering. He continued to do good. Now, I've gone beyond the text, but also included some things in the text. But last week, James chapter 1, James tells us, Unfortunately, (laughs) it's the only way to mature. Suffering, trials. James told us, count it all joy. Consider it pure joy. Don't jump up and down for joy, but consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith, the trials, develops perseverance. You hang in there, perseverance does its work, and you become mature. It's the path to maturity. Paul the Apostle, part of his trials, part of his suffering, physical infirmity, opened a door for the gospel, planted a church in Galatia. 
Paul had this physical infirmity. He called it his thorn in the flesh. Here's a guy that had prayed for others and, and God had done miracles. Here's a guy that had seen people raised from the dead. And yet he prays for his own thorn in the flesh to be removed. And God three times, three times says, no, my power is made perfect in weakness. And one of the reasons God allowed the thorn in the flesh to remain is because Paul, the apostle, before he came to Christ, was a Pharisee. He was a noted Pharisee. He was a leading Pharisee. And he was proud of it. And God wanted to make sure this proud Pharisee that had now put his faith in Jesus Christ would not be a proud Christian because God would never be able to do in and through his life what he wanted to do unless he remained humble. And he tells us there in 2 Corinthians, one of the reasons God left the thorn in the flesh was to keep him from becoming conceited. Suffering, part of God's plan. Romans 8, 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us it proves that we are the real deal when you persevere in suffering in the will of God. You won't get real close to Christ. You won't have really deep fellowship with Christ apart from suffering. But understand, again, I don't want to say it too many times, but suffering in the will of God, in the will of God. It enhances fellowship. You're insulted because of the name of Christ you enter into the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And it brings blessing. You don't feel blessed, but you are blessed. Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And if you back up, not directly in our text, but if you back up just for a minute to 1 Peter chapter 4, listen to what he says in verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. He's not talking about sinlessness. He's talking about commitment and lifestyle. Verse 2, as a result... He does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you spent enough time in the past doing what pagans, unbelievers choose to do. And then he lists some things. First one is debauchery. You know what debauchery is? Here's a way to define debauchery and understand what he's talking about. You do what you want to do. You do what makes you feel good. And if it makes you feel good, go ahead and do it. That's debauchery. You have no guidelines. You have no morals that are based on the truth of the Scriptures and the Word of God. Debauchery. You just live your life the way you want to live it. You do what you want to do. You feed whatever you want to feed in terms of your appetite. Debauchery. Lust. Do I really have to get into lust? I think we know what that is. Drunkenness. Orgies carousing, and detestable idolatry. Idolatry kind of covers the gamut, doesn't it? That could be a love of money. That could be a love of what money can buy. That could be anything or anyone that's more important in your life than God. And so what he's talking about is the life you used to live. You spent enough time doing those things. And once you make the kind of commitment to Christ that you 
are willing to suffer in your body, whether it's insult, whether it's saying no to the old lifestyle, now, now you are committed. You're not half-hearted. You're not lukewarm. You're not wishy-washy. And what made you that way is you decided, I'm going all in. I'm really going to be willing to suffer in the will of God and for Jesus Christ. Anybody in here really enjoy suffering? And, and you as a Christian, you just can't wait for another day of suffering in the will of God? And you wake up in the morning and just go, I can't wait to suffer for Jesus. If you feel that way and you want to raise your hand right now, you got something deeply wrong in your brain. Something wrong with you. So I can't wait for another day of suffering for Jesus. You might know the name Oswald Chambers. Uh, he's been with the Lord for a number of years. He, he did some writings. His wife actually published his book, uh, My Utmost for His Highest, and it's a devotional. I read it every day after I read the scriptures. I've been reading it for years, but I still get encouragement from it. And one of the things Oswald Chambers said, this is so good, to choose to suffer means something is wrong. To choose God's will, even if it means suffering, is a very different thing. No healthy saint ever chooses suffering. He chooses God's will, as Jesus did, whether it means suffering or not. Paul the apostle prayed three times, remove the thorn. God said, no, this is my will for you. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane three times, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But it was the Father's will that he drink the cup. Nobody chooses suffering. Nobody wants to suffer. If you get up and go, I can't wait to suffer for Jesus, you got to screw more than one loose. <laughs> Nobody chooses suffering. You choose the will of God. Martin Luther was a German monk and a Catholic priest. He was the man responsible for initiating what we call the Protestant Reformation. He was born into Roman Catholicism. His dad wanted him to be a lawyer, but while studying toward that aim, Martin went through a terrible thunderstorm, literal thunderstorm. Fearing for his life when a lightning strike narrowly missed him, he made a vow to God that if he survived the storm, he would become a monk. He survived, and he kept his vow. In the early years, uh, Luther was driven by fears of God's wrath, of hell, and of a need to gain assurance that he really was saved. In 1511, he moved to Wittenberg to earn his doctorate in theology. Luther immersed himself deeply in the study of Scripture, especially the letters of the Apostle Paul. He became convinced through his study of Scripture the salvation was solely by grace through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Salvation, Luther now felt with assurance, was a free gift and could not be bought nor earned. As a result of Luther's revelation regarding this truth, he began to speak out against the Catholic Church's practice of selling indulgences. The church sold these indulgences to raise money, teaching that those who bought them could get a reduced punishment for their sins. But not only for yourself, you can buy indulgences for departed loved ones. If you spend enough money, the church taught 
you could actually get somebody out of what they called purgatory. They weren't all the way in hell, but they were on their way. And if you bought enough indulgences, indulgences in their name, you could get them out of purgatory. You could save their soul. On October the 31st, 1517, Luther nailed his now famous 95 theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg. The theses challenged the Catholic church on selling indulgences and outlined the biblical doctrine of justification by grace through faith. Luther was warned by the cardinals of Rome to recant his position, but he refused unless someone could point to scriptural evidence for him to do so. In January of 1521, Luther was officially excommunicated by the Pope. Two months later, he was ordered to appear before Emperor Charles V in Worms, Germany. A devoted friend of Luther's tried to talk him out of going to Worms, but Luther went anyway. This devoted friend was afraid that Luther would end up with the same fate as another man, and he told Luther this, I'm afraid you're going to end up like John Huss. John Huss lived years before Luther, but he influenced Luther greatly. One day while rummaging through some books in the monastery library, Luther came across some sermons of John Huss. John Huss was from the south in the Czech Republic. He became a great theologian, and he discovered as Luther that not only was salvation by grace through faith, but Jesus Christ was the head of the church, not the pope. And he began to speak out with that truth. John Huss was born to peasant parents. The name of the town he was born in, Goosetown. That's interesting because John Huss, his last name means goose. And from his name, we get a phrase, the goose is cooked. You know who coined that phrase? Martin Luther. And he did it in reference to years before what happened to John Huss. Let me read you Luther's words. I could not understand for what cause they had burned so great a man who explained the Scriptures with such gravity and skill. Huss became a hero to men like Martin Luther. Huss was executed by the Catholic Church for what they said was the heresy of teaching that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, not the Pope, and that salvation is in Christ alone. We have some words that John Huss said to his accusers before he died, before he was burned at the stake. Here's an excerpt. You are now going to burn a goose, but in a century you will have a swan. You can neither roast nor boil. That would be prophetic, little to his knowledge, of Martin Luther. Martin Luther referred to himself as the swan that Huss had prophesied about. Listen to this. Lutheran art frequently portrays Martin Luther with a swan. On trial before the highest officials of the church and state, Martin Luther was asked to renounce his views once again. 
On the first day, he was so overwhelmed by the immensity of what he was doing, standing before these great men, that he asked if he could go away and spend the night in prayer. They allowed him to. He spent the night in prayer. We have recorded excerpts from his prayer. How frail and sensitive is the flesh of men. And the devil so powerful and active through his apostles and the wise of the world. O thou, my God, my God, help me against the reason and wisdom of all the world. Do this. Thou must do it. Thou alone, for this cause is not mine but thine. For myself, I have no business here with these great lords of the world. Indeed, I too desire to enjoy days of peace and quiet and be undisturbed. But thine, O Lord, is this cause, and it is righteous and of eternal importance. Stand by me, thou faithful, eternal God. I rely on no man. O God, stand by me in the name of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, who shall be my protector and defender, yea, my mighty fortress, through the might and strengthening of thy Holy Spirit. The next day, he stood before the court, and here's what he said. Since then, your majesty and your lordships desire a simple reply, I will answer without horns and without teeth. Unless I am convinced by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. God help me. You think at that point, the band struck up, lightning fell from heaven, Jesus appeared and says, way to go, Martin. (laughs) His writings were banned. He was declared a convicted heretic and probably would have suffered the same fate as John Huss, except for some loving friends that literally kidnapped him and took him into protected seclusion. And in that seclusion, Martin Luther translated the New Testament into the German language, giving the ordinary people the opportunity to read God's Word for themselves. I put in my notes, we need men and women with the spiritual courage to persevere in suffering in the will of God. But believers with this kind of fortitude are a rare breed. Unfortunately, you find in the church a lack of courage, but you also find a lack of commitment. Let's go to the other side of the coin from our text. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or as a meddler, he's talking to Christians. Why would he say that? Am I suffering in the will of God or am I suffering from my own foolishness? Now, let me tell you, I'm not standing here, and I try never to stand here on a self-righteous platform. (laughs) We all come to Jesus the same way. We all got the same challenges, and we all got the same weaknesses. And let me tell you what, I know what it is. I know what it is to be foolish. I know what it is to be foolish as as a husband. I know what it is to be foolish as a father. I know what it is to be foolish as a pastor. Thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. 
Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he continued to walk us through the books of the New Testament. From the life of Jesus and his ministry to how the gospel spread in the early days of the church, the New Testament books offer much insight into how we're supposed to live our lives now. They're not just an interesting story or a history lesson. These things actually happened. Is this New Testament Highlights series speaking to you in a personal way? If so, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email and tell us what your experience has been as you've listened to these teachings. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you happen to be in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Here at The Living Word, we value digging into Scripture in order to learn and to grow in our personal pursuit of God. So we hope you'll join us again next time as we continue teaching the Word and reaching the world. We look forward to the next edition here on The Living Word.